This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for being a returning supporter of this wonderful podcast on game development and the lifestyle of game developers. This is Larry Charles, one half of the podcasting team. The other half, he says, stroke, and I row the oars. That would be the captain, my captain, Mr. Benefit. What's up here? <laughs> I guess stroking along. This is Brandon Pham. Please welcome our special guest this week, Jonathan Hawkins. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Jonathan. You know, for that intro, I was talking about crew. You know, the person. Oh, like, sure. Stroke. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, thanks, Jonathan. Welcome to our boat. <laughs> I guess. Uh, thanks for joining us. So this is a part of the podcast where we ask our guests, such as yourself, to introduce yourself to our listeners out there to give a little background on where you came from, where you are, where you're heading. All right, cool. Um, Yeah, so I am a founder of White Elk. We are a small VR studio here based in LA. And I used to work on the God of War franchise for 11 years or so. Um, I was a lead level designer over there. And before that, I went to USC, did computer science, and uh, always wanted to make games ever since I played Doom 2. All right. Well, since uh, you worked on the God of War team for such a long time, I'm going to drop a name and see if you know. Uh, did you ever work with Mike Burkhead? Uh, Mike Burkhead. He was a guest on our podcast. He spent some time on God of War as well. I, and, uh, I He was a designer. Oh, okay, no worries. <laughs> uh, yeah, not re- re- I'm not recalling that name. I think Sorry, he was Mike. You're not cool. Something, right? Say what? Wasn't he an insomniac? Yeah, he was. I think so, yeah. 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 I think I didn't know him from there. I don't know him from God of War though. Okay. He so we worked with him on a project and he was doing like all the camera setups and he was like, Yeah, on God of War, here's how we did it and this and that, this and that. But his camera setups were legit. Not to to you know shine him on this episode. I just figured Mm -hmm. because he was a past guest, I would ask if you knew him. That's all. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not I'm always not the best with names. I'm pretty good faces though. (laughs) Oh no worries. I would I'm not gonna show you his face. I wouldn't do that to you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah. yeah jonathan one of our favorite questions especially uh people from AAA that has worked at a specific specific company at a, for a long time and when they go to indie like what gave you the courage to mm. finally make that move so i was working um you know at sony you know pretty much ever since i got out of usc Started off as an intern and was doing like the sound and music implementation on God of War 1. And then I was able to convince uh, Jaffe, David Jaffe, to get one of my puzzles in there. And that kind of started off my like level design career. And um, so I, we, we you know, did God of War 1, God of War 2 with Corey Barlog, God of War 3 with like Stig Askinson as all the different creative directors. And then um, 
Stig, I, myself, uh, Ken Feldman, and Adam Poole all went off to uh, start the next big IP for Sony, and we worked on that for several years, and then ultimately it got canceled. Now it's kind of like you know burnt out on the God of War series, uh, you know, after working on it for so long. And so I just figured, you know, either I go get another job or go to try to, you know, start my own studio and and see uh, the entrepreneur and like indie life uh, what it was like. So I'm still here after uh, four years <laughs> of hustling, and it's been a long road, but uh, you know, we've made some pretty good games so far. Our first game, Eclipse Edge of Light, came out in 2017, April, and we won uh, three Mobile VR Game of the Year awards for that. Oh man. Congrats. Yeah, and uh, we just launched our next game, Covert, today on the Oculus Go and Gear VR. Congratulations. And just because it's a podcast format, today being 11-15-2018, I do want to say if you've made it more than one year as your own entrepreneurial indie developer, like that's a success story right then and there. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't even make it past one year, and you're on your fourth year and going into the fifth or already in the fifth year. Yeah, um, 2014, like in March, I think. Okay. Yeah, so you completed four full years. Yeah, yeah. So we're about to be on year five. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, been a crazy road for sure. Congrats, man. I think it's like a 90% fail rate. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, there's definitely a ton of tombstones that you pass by (laughs) on the way. Yeah. So were there like a specific indie game that you saw or team that really inspired you uh, to make the move or were, I'm sure like, especially veterans uh, always try to be very cautious uh, when they make the jump, but what kind of preparations did you have um, to finally pull the trigger? Uh, I don't know if it's more like preparations or just finally got kicked out of the nest <laughs> where, uh, you know, the game was done and I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Yeah. Uh, and so I guess it was kind of like, you know, like, you know, I was super bummed out, you know, after years and years of working on something and just mm-hmm. to be on, mm-hmm. well, it's not the first time, you know, I had like a level cut or anything like that, but the first yeah. time I had a game cut. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was definitely, um, you That's know, kind one. of like. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one for sure. It's like losing, you know, your baby. Um, You know, when you put your entire, like, you know, heart and soul into making these things, you know, it's very, very tough. But in the end, you know, I think it's for myself, you know, it's turned into like a blessing in disguise and kind of, you know, I always wanted to, you know, have my own studio and and try to figure all that kind of stuff out and, Mm -hmm. you know, go out there and, you know, read some startup books before and, you know, how to do business and da 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 But... But, you know, you don't really know anything um, until you actually go out there. (laughs) And then, so I like to joke around. I got like my street MBA. (laughs) Well, that's that's a smart way to go because you save way more money than someone who pays to go to like business school. And, you know, the teachers teaching you stuff probably pull quotes and references from those same books. So, yeah. Um, I did want to ask you though, your first game being a success that you released getting three awards, like, you know, not everybody has that start. So I'm going to challenge and see if you had the same start in the sense of, was that the first game that your company tried to make, or were there a couple of games, you know, before, and then you're like, Nope, we're not going to release that. We're not going to release that. This is the game. So was that your first shot or did you have a couple of prototypes? Yeah. I mean, it was my first shot. Um, you know, not the entire time. 
you know, it was 100% dedicated towards it. You know, I was having mm-hmm. to pick up contract work. Um, you know, I worked with like section studios, you know, who hey. Cecil and you guys. Cecil's awesome. Um, so, you know, I worked with him on a couple of little small projects for different stints, but it was still my primary focus over the, mm-hmm. the kind of course to get funding and get, um, get all that kind of started. And then, you know, once I kind of had that, that vision, that idea for the game and I got like a really cool demo, I just kept going for it and, and, you know, got told no a thousand times, but, you know, just kept going. Yeah. Who was the thousand and one person? <laughs> Google. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Google hooked it up. So, yeah. Ooh, that's awesome. Did so you what's do, the, uh, sorry. Like, no, no, go ahead, Brandon. Did you do any early recruiting? Like, obviously, when you start thinking to go around this path, you're like, hey, I want to start a company. It's always more fun to start with a friend, but it is also the hardest thing to convince someone to uh, take the dive with you. Were, were, were there any type of uh, recruiting done on your part to kind of get this thing going? Yeah, I mean, actually, you know, I reached out to Cecil Kim over at Section Studios and, um, you know, had a very rough kind of deck and uh, kind of like just really on paper, kind of high level idea for Eclipse. And, you know, I pitched him the idea and, you know, Cecil's like a visual genius. So like he was able to kind of take my little, you know, shitty drawings and, and, uh, you know, kind of like high level ideas and really manifest it into something that was like, you know, incredible. Um, and so I was able to work with him, you know, kind of on that initial phase and then had another programmer friend who, you know, was kind of in there for like, you know, a month or so. And then just kind of, you know, Oh, this is going to work. So then, you know, bounced. Um, but you know, that's just kind of like the way it goes. So, um, you know, whenever you're starting, a company, I think it's always important to find other founders that are, are in it for the long haul, but most, you know, aren't, you know, it's really hard to like survive that long or have money to, to save or just live like, you know, cheaply to, uh, to just keep going. And, and, you know, you're not going to, you know, unless you're super lucky, going to get it off your first bat. Right. And like being able to, uh, to, yeah, just land a deal in like three months. It's, you know, very rare. All right. Well, for entertainment's purposes and because I'm super petty, I do have to ask this question. Did you send like emails of like, hey, these were the awards that we won? (laughs) It was like, it's not going to (laughs) work. No, no, I don't know. I don't. I'm not like that. <laughs> no, I mean we're, we're still friends. I mean it's just like you know just business stuff. Like you know you wanted to go other ways and, no, I, and try other things, but it's all good. You know? Yeah, not. I'm not trying to bring up any pain. I just thought it was funny because I. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Hey, that sucks. <laughs> but hey, we did all right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the challenges are always tied to to people and maintaining that team. Like, uh, there's always a beacon. I think that every indie developer go for, but I would even, I wouldn't even say bumps in the road. It's more like really tall walls that you have to get over and keep reminding yourself uh, that you have a goal that you want to reach. Um, Besides people, were there other things that you felt that um, were common in in your quest to, to finish your first game? Hmm. Uh, Yeah. I just think just, 100% pure determination, right? I think it's like the only thing that 
kind of just kept me going and believing in the the project and like the you know visions I had in my head, right? And like mm-hmm. being like, I know this game's good. I know this game's good. Like yeah. I don't care if a thousand people told me no. Like I know it's going to be like amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I just really felt super strongly about it. And I just you know feel super strongly about VR being like this next kind of like future medium. Yeah. And so you know I think very few times I've seen in the past you know maybe when people went from like 2d to doom you know like this was like the the next kind of like opportunity the next like step yeah. to really kind of be there in the forefront of something new and let alone like build like a product that i you know really believed in as well so i think it's kind of like the combination of those two things and um you know seeing how the kind of like you know roadmap could be for the future and you know i'm super interested in like building the future now and yeah. how do we get there like fast and, and it's interesting the comparison you made saying like, you know, you're feeling like you're on the frontier or the like uh, when I hear that, it, it does kind of remind me of the gold rush in a sense where it's like, hey, we have this small thing that could be very lucrative. But for most people, it's not likely going to be successful right away. But you hear these stories of, yeah, but this VR game came out and it you know sold very well or this VR game came out and everybody has it. I think that as the platform matures, it's going to be a lot more stable. Obviously there's going to be a lot more people in, but right now, does it seem difficult to like, I mean, I guess it's, it's kind of unfair. Like when you've already had success, but I guess when you look at it from a, I'm about to go into this and this is going to be my venture, not having done it before, I guess, do you look at it as a challenge? Do you look at it as something that scared you? Was there any sort of like worry that you wouldn't be successful because it was new or did you just, I knew you were you're faithful to your idea. I knew you loved your idea, but I'm talking even before the idea, I guess. Did you think that this was going to be the frontier that you wanted to tackle? And were you worried or afraid? Yeah, well, I mean, it's probably me being kind of naive about business, right? <laughs> Not <laughs> really knowing any of the business side. Yeah. Um, you know, the VR market is still pretty small, right? So yeah, making exactly. money inside of it, unless you're like Beat Saber, you know, job exactly. simulator. I think, you know, there's very few kind of like, success stories from like a, you know, fiduciary standpoint, right. Yeah. People that have made their money back. Um, so for, for my strategy is like, you know, trying to find hardware partners that, um, you know, are spending all this money in investment in, in their kind of platforms. And then, you know, in order you can, you can build like the best you know headset in the world, but if you don't have the best games, mm-hmm. then you don't have anything, you know? Yep. So, um, so for me, I'm a you know content guy, and I you know truly believe that content is king, and you need to have really good content in order to kind of sell hardware. So it's like, you know, in the, in the beginning stages, definitely like a chicken and egg scenario where you know everyone on VR wanted to build like the next YouTube in VR, or the next you know Steam in VR or whatever. Um, but you know, for me, I just wanted to build the best games in VR, and um, and I kind of figured like, oh well, you know, if VR takes off, YouTube is just going to be the YouTube of VR. So I don't know what the how this is going to work. And you know, a lot of those companies still, you know, you know, a few have made it, but most of them kind of like faded out now that you know they burned through their first rounds of like VC cash and things like that. So um, yeah, I think you know it's still very much of like um, a you know interesting market. Um, you know, from the technology standpoint, it's super interesting. From the business side, it's still very difficult. Um, so, you know, you just got to be scrappy and, you know, just try to save and just, you know, try to do the best with what you have. And, you know, even if it's like a little bit, you know, you can still make really good things. Yeah. So, like, there, there are definitely, um, I would say this, the customers are consumers that actually put on a VR set. They, they get it. It explains itself. 
the barrier of entry would be just the huge computer that is attached to it, but Oculus, and we'll, we'll circle back to this actually, um, where Oculus is now having more standalone uh, sets as the feature. Um, but even before that, did you start to really consider things uh, four years ago? I'm not, uh, I don't remember the exact date when Facebook actually bought Oculus, but that was the the first huge mover in, in making this a, a, a more stable uh, industry. Was that before or after uh, when you guys uh, started development? Um, so let me think. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly the timeline. I don't know when, you know, Palmer, Lucky, and John Carmack did like the DK1 like Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you could like Google it. You could probably figure it out. But it wasn't really like like that was what sold me like oh yeah facebook's all you know all in now um for me it was just like i you know i love creating worlds right so how can i like bring someone into like my imagination right and like fully like bring them in and make them feel like physical sensations and make them like um you know fully be immersed in the inside of these worlds and for me like that's like the appeal of it you know um and, you know, we're getting to the point now where these kind of barriers of entry are being, like, eliminated, right? With, like, things like the Oculus uh, Go, which our new game, Covert, just came on. You know, it's 200 bucks. It's standalone. You just put it on. You don't need a phone or anything or a big computer. And, um, you know, it's it's three doffs, so like, three degrees of freedom for the headset, for the controller. Um, and But you still can get, like, a really great experience. And, you know, a lot of people use it for, like, watching movies or TV. And then with things like the Oculus Quest that are going to be coming out right now um, in, uh, I think, next year, those are, uh, you know, that's complete, like, six stop, you know, again, six degrees of freedom for your head, for your hands. And, you know, it's three ninety nine. So at that mm-hmm. price point, I think that's going to be, you know, this watershed moment where yeah. a lot of these kind of like, okay, I don't have the, you know, the GTX card and like all the Bitcoin miners have jacked up the price and da 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 or like, you know, I don't have this and all the cables. I don't want to like set these things up in my house, like yeah. all that, you know, like all that's gone now. So, and like, you know, at a price point for, you know, the kind of like the entry level of the price of a console, you know, you're yeah. basically buying like a VR console. I think this is the stuff we need. Amazing. This is the step that we needed. Most of you said cutting the wires one, but all the other things that was needed to support it was probably the biggest barrier of entry from it being just like a globally adopted. Well, I don't want to say globally, but I will say we are two to three steps closer to the mass market with this. entry. I confidently say that I agree. Yes. I mean, I, you know, I always knew like, you know, Moore's law and, you know, you got people like John Carmack working on it and like, you know, like genius people, that are going to like, you know, if, you know, people like that are believing in it, you know, you know, it's got to be something right. Yeah. And like, you know, Facebook and all them are investing and so much investment has gone in yeah. that, you know, from that kind of side as well, there's so much capital and, and movement and, and behind the space that, you know, it's just going to take a while. And then, you know, there's people that are going to say like, Oh, it's like 3d TVs and da, 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 da. Like, you know, that's never going to take off, but I never believed in 3d TVs. You know, yeah. I just mm-hmm. looked at that. I was just kind of like a fad, you know, yeah. Well, when I look at VR and I, you know, live and breathe it every day, you know, I can see it growing. I can see the, yeah. the potential behind it. And I'm just learning more and more about the medium itself. Yeah. And so I think like for me, like right now, the strategy is to like get that knowledge base built up. 
and know the tricks and know the the technical hurdles that you're gonna have to go through to like make these kind of games run on you know like high quality uh you know hardware and or like mobile hardware right now is like you know for the go, the go it's like you know basically phone chips and things like that so coming from playstation well, A, I never had to deal with that because I was a designer. <laughs> but now I'm like indie, you know, I've, you know, know all about draw calls and yeah. <laughs> you know optimizing and milliseconds and all that to like, you know, get the games running in frame. It's a whole new world, man. But yeah. I, I will agree that like 3D TVs, I think the promise of 3D TV was like what people were expecting from it versus what was actually delivered. Uh yeah. one, you don't have a whole lot of 3D content that's being made for them anyway, especially not enough that you're gonna buy a whole TV for it. But I do know that people do want the like my whole living room is like a holodeck and when that gets delivered i think hand over fist people are going to be getting involved and i think vr is the closest that we're going to get for a while with like a headset but if somebody were to tell me like hey larry put these four things on the wall and i'm just going to holographically project the world in your living room you don't have to wear shit whoever can get to that point first is going to be very rich that's what i'm going to say yeah, I think there was some startup I was reading about. I forgot the name in San Francisco that was building what they said was going to be the holodeck. I mean, yeah. that, I haven't seen any videos or anything like that yet, but you know, um, you know, it, it's it, it's coming. You know, yeah. so it's just about like, you know, how long can you wait? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we're on the cusp. I think that one we're actually looking at good VR in 3D. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Virtual Boy and those old like gigantic headsets that had like maybe 400 polygon limit in the whole environment. You know, now we're actually like, hey, we're you know doing 120 frames a second, or we're we're able to allow you to look or touch and feel. And someone even said they had like smell stuff. I thought that was a joke, mm-hmm. but. There's like all this tech coming now that is starting. Like, I feel like we're in the catalyst moments of like real VR. I think like I'm so happy to be alive now to like actually see the growth of this part of VR. Like, I feel like we have a legitimate shot at doing it right now. I think technology is advanced enough that we can do it right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, it's, you know, definitely going to like a long road and like, yeah, especially coming with from like 94 or whatever the hell the virtual boy came out. I remember yeah, yeah. trying that at Blockbuster and be like, oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> uh, and then now like, you know, for 200 bucks, you pick up a headset at Best Buy or online mm-hmm. and like you can get like this whole completely new type of experience. And with the Quest coming out, yeah. you know, that like. I don't know if you guys have tried it yet, but you know, I got a chance to try that at Oculus Connect Five, and it's just you know mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Can I can I quickly ask you? I, I know you've used a regular Oculus. How mm-hmm. do you compare the experience of the Quest as far as graphically visual fidelity, but then also like the tracking and the ease of use to the old Oculus setup, the wired setup? Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I'm not really that big into like, oh, it has to be like, you know, the most amazing, you know, it's like crisis or whatever, or like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. Been benchmark that if you look at like the success of the Wii, like what made that cool? Like it was magic, you know, yeah. like someone could like bowl and yeah. you, know, you could get your grandma to bowl, you know, like yeah. no one really gave a shit about like the graphics. Right. Yeah, um, so to me, like, you know, obviously they're not going to be able to pack like a, you know, 2080, you know, into the, into the hardware. <laughs> um, but it's all about also like if you get someone like Cecil who really knows art and knows mm. art direction, it really doesn't matter. Like you can yeah. still make something look cool, even like with old school hardware. Right. Mm. Um, and like this hardware now is getting to the point where it's like, you know, like a PlayStation two is graduating up from like Dreamcast and, you know, mm. God of War one and God of War two look, you know, super good yeah. back in the day. And, you know, I think they kind of still hold up visually. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, because there's really good art direction, really good visuals, and obviously the, all the rest of the parts of the package to make yeah. a fantastic game. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, you could, like, some people get stuck up, um, you know, or like, or like, oh, I get, you know, like, it has to be like this, and you know, I need the, you know, most, like, you know, amazing 4K graphics and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, like, yeah, you, you can get stuck on that and, like, you know, kind of, like, you know, push it to the side, but then you're not really kind of, like, opening your eyes to the, the potential, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, all that stuff just has to come, and you're probably never going to get, like, a PC-quality experience on a mobile, you know, hardware device unless maybe it's, like, streaming or something. Um, so it's just going to take time to, like, you know, get it to the level that it's at now, but obviously, you know, PCs are always going to be improving. So, um, yeah. You know, like PlayStation 4, you know, some of the games on there look even better than some of the games on PC. And that's even like super old hardware. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just really how you use it. Outside of the new uh, hardware the Oculus uh, revealed, um, being at the Connect event, were there other news there that you felt that were game changers in the near future for, for VR? Um, well, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw that, like that Dead and Buried demo. Mm, not yet. So they basically uh, mapped out like a, I don't know, it's like 40 by like 80 like space. Mm. And they set up like these like almost like gymnast mats kind of things and put like tape on them as like, you know, these markers. And they had everybody put on quests and go in and kind of like it was like a 4v4 shooter. Mm-hmm. And people were like literally like you know it's like the old you guys must remember like the old school like laser tag days yeah, yeah of course. Um, where you'd go and like you know be running around like hiding and like shooting and you know like being able to set something that up like that up you know like in a mall or like mm-hmm. you know with like these four hundred dollar pieces of hardware yeah. I think was like a, an amazing kind of like moment to me you know like because yeah. it brings a barrier of entry from like the void where you're having to have what, like all these super high end rigged backpacks and, you know, all these like expensive guns and things like that down to like this kind of like really inexpensive package. And to me, like, I think that's going to be something that we're going to probably see like in the next year, like really starting to like kind of blow up these like little mini VR arcades and bringing people back into these kind of like, um, you know, the, these experiences, like the thing they call them like location-based entertainment, like LBE. Um, okay. so you're, you're seeing like the success of that right now with like the void, but I think, you know, you know, maybe even indie devs could be setting up their own little kind of like arcades and creating like really crazy content and having people go through them. If, if I were anybody right now in the VR space with the quest and what you just said, I would turn escape rooms into like, you know, they're always like, Oh, it's going to take us three months to install the new room. Like, no, we just downloaded the new room. Somebody go move the mats a little bit. And then cool. Here's the yeah. new experience. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? like, go take over the old Toys R Us spaces that exactly. are exactly. <laughs> all these like old retail spots. Like go yeah. set them up in the like VR games, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, the man. game stops are always like a waste. Like I feel like, uh, <laughs> They're slow. I'm surprised Toys R Us closed down before GameStop, but those are spaces right there that they need to consider since yeah. they're slowly closing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give GameStop credit. I feel like kids moved on from toys to now kids of all ages only play video games. Nobody like plays with like G.I. Joe anymore. They play, you know, whatever the iPhone game of the day is or whatever. Yeah, but you don't go to GameStop for that though. <laughs> <laughs> I went to so, the mall the other day and GameStop still had a huge line for like Red I guess. Dead. Yeah. Oh, that makes I guess. sense. It's There's doing still something still. Go out there and, and buy like, you know, physical products. Do that. 
how do they not know about Amazon Prime? I just yeah. don't understand. <laughs> I don't know why they're there. Well, look, it's part of the fun, right? To, to line up, yeah. You're but it's a very excited. small group that does that still. Yeah. Well, like location-based entertainment, we're definitely seeing that crop up. Disney's going in with a very, uh, in a very big way. They have one dedicated in downtown Disney. We're starting to see, uh, even in my regular Dave and Buster's, I don't know if you guys visited, they have like yeah, a yeah. Jurassic Park set up. Do you yeah. feel like that's starting to become more and more a thing where, uh, not just to introduce uh, the product to to potential customers but to like uh rethink how arcades are for yeah i mean i think i think kind of like as we're getting in this transition period of like you know the beginning stages of vr which is like you know dk1 or even like the you know consumer version right and now we're seeing like these standalone products and now we're seeing like you know the the void and like really bringing in like higher production values into that and now we're going to be seeing like that kind of like barrier of entry for investors or developers to kind of like get into um, is like significantly being lowered. And I think I can see it in my head, right? Like, you know, I want to go do that if I didn't have like the VR headset. And then if I, if I tried that, if I was a little kid, I'd be like, please dad, give me like, you know, this over like the PlayStation, right. For Christmas, like for me, like, you know, it's, it's incredible, you know, mm-hmm. like be like in this world to physically move around in it, to feel like, you know, the, the, you know, the, the crate that you're hiding behind while you're shooting somebody or, or, um, you know, everybody's like, you know, LARPing together in a park or something like that. You know, I can see tons of like different use, use cases for this and, um, and let alone all sorts of like other business applications and things like that. Um, but you know, getting people, people want to always like, you know, go and try magic. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why I like the connect work. That's why I like the, we worked, oh. you know, like, People love magic. They want to like try something they just can't even understand, but like, they're like, Oh my God, this is like bringing me here. Mm-hmm. And for me, like I think VR is that. And it's like, you know, like we were talking about all these kind of like barriers of entry, like the PC, the cables, the wires, the content, you know, all that's getting like chopped down. And now we're like getting just to the pure magic. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so good to hear somebody else like feeling this way about it, you know, and, and I, I definitely respect your credentials. So I'm, like a blind faith. Like I agree on everything that you say, uh, but I do want to ask, how do you feel about AR? Like as far as augmented reality, where I'm having fun, entertaining experiences that are layered on top of what is considered to be real life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I also think that is probably, you know, could you know change humanity, right. Eventually. Right. To have like this layer of data across, you know, everything that you could potentially see or, you know, like, you know, have like, the internet like visualized right all that kind of like information or scanning or pop-up ads yeah well yeah well that's, that's like the dark side of it right yeah <laughs> like you know all the black mirror kind of stuff yeah uh but you know i think that's like could have a huge huge reach right and that kind of like layer between like what is vr and ar is all going to merge mm-hmm. into like this you know these contacts or some kind of brain interface or what have you and like you know there won't be like you know this kind of like segmented market Mm-hmm. But like AR is still super, super, super early, right? Um, yeah. You're just kind of like seeing like the beginning of it with like Pokemon Go, but it's like Pokemon Go even really AR. It's just kind of yeah. like, you know, just showing like a character in the background of your camera. And now they like have like, you know, plane detection, right? So it's a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, things like the Magic Leap, um, you know, we have one here uh, and it's, you know, definitely like very interesting and 
from from my you know kind of viewpoint, being like a level designer mm-hmm. really like challenges how I think. Mm-hmm. Like because like the world is like the level now, right? Mm-hmm. And so from like a system design standpoint, it's very interesting. But from like level design, like you have to almost like throw that out. Man, so I'm I'm actually glad that you told me that you had one. So obviously the price point has kept me from jumping into that <laughs> and finding out if it's legit or not. But since you have one, please tell everyone on the podcast, if you don't mind it, I don't want to go off track, but everyone wants to know, like, does it hold up? Does it deliver on its promises? You know, they kept it under wraps for so long. And then only, I would say recently, the last maybe one to two, maybe even three months, do I really feel like public had a chance to try it and see it and verify I still personally haven't even put it on my head and seen what it looks like. So as someone who has done it personally, do you think Magic Leap has hit the mark on what they promised that they would deliver, which is going to be like the best AR experiences ever and whatever well, I mean, is written on the I back of the box? I mean, you know, for the best AR experience right now from like a headset kind of a glasses perspective, I think they you know have delivered i i didn't really use the the hololens that much so I, you know i think everyone kind of compares it to that or calls it like hololens 1.5 or what have you yeah, um, okay. so i only tried the hololens like a couple times it's you know some like vr mixers or things like that um but you know like compared to like you know the the phone kind of like capabilities right now the magic leap has got you know everything jam-packed in there you know object detection like object occlusion um you know geometry mapping like uh, hand detection, eye detection, um, you know, or it's like eye tracking. Um, it has all the pieces, right? And it's like, it you know, it has a you know pretty damn fast processor and like you know good good chipset. So mm. all these pieces are, are there right now, but you know, obviously, like the price point is like super high, right? Yeah. And but this like isn't meant for the consumer right now. This is for the developer. It's called the developer edition. Yeah. Um, so I think you know. They definitely led to a lot, a lot of hype, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, maybe like kind of shot themselves in the foot with like building the hype train too too high. And um, you know, like if you kind of put it on and just try a couple of things, you might be like, okay, like whatever. But you know, I took it home and and it was like, all right, I want to like dive more deep into this. Like, what would it really be like to like wear this thing and try it at my house, right? Mm-hmm. And so I played that um like the the Weta game, like Doctor. G, it's like Doctor. I forget what it is. It's kind of like a little like wave um, base shooter with like these robots, right? Mm-hmm. And so these robots come like there's like a portal that kind of like opens up in the wall, and then these robots start like you know like jumping out, and you like it's pretty cool because you like actually like can look in the portal and like see into this whole like other world. And yeah. then I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. And then like another robot came on from the other side of the wall jumped like behind my couch and like, cause it recognized it was a couch and it could like mm-hmm. hide behind it oh, and man. got like occluded and then like started like, you know, I had like a little boss battle with this thing. Oh, I was like, Oh my God, this is like, this is pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like I was like that moment right there when it was like hiding behind my couch and it could know the environment, it could like create like a nav mesh. It could like, you know, get to these like locations and like, <laughs> and like start fighting me and like, and actually have strategy I was like, holy shit, like this, you know, this is going to be something, right? Oh, man. Uh, but, you know, this is like, you know, years away, right? Where I think like the quest is coming, you know, next year, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we still have like a while for them to get the form factor down and get the cost down and, and those kind of things. But, you know, you have like Apple supposedly working on stuff. Um, other people like, you know, 
uh, I think it was like Highway was like reported to, or like I forget how to say the name. Like in China, they're mm-hmm. saying they're going to be coming out with glasses. Um, so you know, like this stuff is coming for sure. But um, you know, like what, what what will it be, and who's going to be the winner? I think it's kind of still too early to tell. Mm-hmm. But I think what Magic Leap does deliver is like that that glimpse, right? That glimpse into the future, and like what is it going to take to learn how to build these kind of experiences? And um, and yeah, so I think you know. For what it is at the kind of like a round one and like the product design is like, you know, excellent. Um, I think from a hardware manufacturer standpoint, it's, you know, really, really good. Um, and from the, the tech stack they have built in there, it has all these pieces that it will take to, to build this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like getting the, you know, the devs to get into it and doing all that. I think like today they, they announced that they're, they're doing a, like a five, or is it twenty thousand, like five hundred thousand dollars grants for people to submit proposals to them um, to build, you know, content? So anybody out there listening who wants to do their own startup, you know, that's kind of like a good way to get going. That's funny you mentioned that I got the email today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, you know, and I think you know, getting there like again, like early on and figuring out how to design for this because like this is like completely different than like VR yeah. and like you know VR is kind of like. Oh, you're building like worlds, kind of like a video, you know, like a normal game. Mm-hmm. But you know, this like AR stuff is definitely, definitely different. So, actually, uh, my favorite AR game. I don't know if you've played it. Uh, have you played that new one? Oh shit! Uh, what's the name? The Fast Five. Uh. Uh-uh. All right, what, so. What Dude, this game is crazy. So what it is, is you pretend you're being interviewed on a podcast, right? I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions and I need you to give me five rapid fire answers. It's like the number one game on the Magic Leap store right now. You want to give it a shot? Sure. All right, here we go. Fast five. Question number one. What's your favorite VR platform between all the popular ones? Oculus. All right. Question number two, which business book helped you the most when you started your company? Um, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm spacing on the name. Uh, I'll have to come back to that one. Okay, no problem. <laughs> uh, question number three, if you could turn one coin op video game from the past into a modern VR experience, which game would you choose? Coin op. Uh, man, it's been a while. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, Gauntlet. If I'm going okay. fast. Oh, that's a good one. I have played Gauntlet, the VR experience. Question number four. The first game you ever called the best game ever. Doom 2. All right. Question number five. Still Jerry- oh, wait, what'd you say? Still the best game ever. Oh, dang. So you never had a number two. <laughs> uh, okay. Question number five. Jerry Seinfeld or Larry David? Larry David. Oh, man. There you go. You heard it here, folks. Larry David yeah. takes the kick. Do you <laughs> want to jump back and try the uh, business question, the business book one, or do you want to just let that yeah, go? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, lean startup. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, and then there's like this other one I was trying to remember was like how to visualize like a business plan. It was like, you know, very kind of like I'm a visual person, right? So it's just cool to like think about how, you know, MBAs again, like kind of like all the stuff they learned in the school is like broken down. It's like, you know, the distributors, the, the manufacturers, like, you know, how do you deliver the you know product to the consumer and the prices and, and all the you know supply chain kind of things that go into nor- most normal kind of like physical products. And that's why like, you know, software is always like a great, you know, thing to get into because once you build it, it's like super cheap to distribute and for people yeah. to access. 
Well, that's a great jumping off point to my next question. So the biz dev part of uh, you, obviously you guys worked with the, you talked to Google, you talked to now Oculus, you know, the, the grant is definitely a good way to get started in terms of capital. But what, if you could, uh, what was your process to approach these guys to like, Hey, I have something that you might be interested uh, because obviously the money is definitely with, the hardware guys who are looking for good content to to ship with Um, yeah um so i guess kind of like early on in the vr scene if you will um you know it's super super small i mean it is still pretty small right so i really you know showed my products off at like you know vrla i think number i went to vrla one and then showed off our demo like vrla two and that kind of like you know helped to to generate some hype and buzz. And then I got into like um, this accelerator and I was thinking about doing it, but they wanted me to move up to San Francisco and try to move super fast. And like, you know, kind of like said no to that. And then um, I kind of like started reaching out to some of my, you know, contacts in the game industry. Cause you know, I've been around for a while. Also like I'm the founder of the game dev drink up. Um, so I've met a lot of people through that and um yeah, so I started working, uh, you know, kind of like more the kind of traditional route that most like people go with instead of like the VC route. And then just kind of kept hustling. But, you know, early on, again, like, you know, no one wanted to really invest in VR um, from like uh, the publisher standpoint because their business model doesn't really sustain that much like risk because, mm-hmm. like, you know, super risky, um, especially way back then. So, uh, yeah, I kind of like went, you know, back towards more like the kind of traditional uh, you know, publishers and things like that. And then, you know, Google was, you know, coming out with their hardware platform, uh, the daydream, which is, uh, you know, still like a, a great headset mm-hmm. and, um, and worked with your phone and, and, and they wanted to start building up their library. So, and, and they, uh, you know, I think I pitched them like just randomly at a, at like an indicate or something like they happened to be there. I was like, yo, you want to try this? And they're like, sure. And this is like, you know, before even daydreaming came out, and then, uh, so when they, they, you know, they kind of just knew me. Right. And then they're like, Oh, this was awesome. And like, and like, you know, we're not doing anything right now, but you know, if we do, we'll, we'll keep you in mind. And then when that kind of like door reopened, then like, you know, like it, it all worked out. So I think you got to just kind of like, I forgot who said this, but like, you know, 90% of it is just like showing up. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like getting you, like just being there and like saying hello, like smiling and just, you know, be nice. Don't be a dick. <laughs> I know that quote. I don't know if it was Jack Nicholas or Yogi Bear or one of the I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, yeah. Name. Yeah, you know, so it's like you just gotta kind of be there and like go fishing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have the have you have your lures out there and try. What was your first uh validation to uh where you felt like all right, this is finally paying off? Um when was the exact moment if you don't mind us uh walking us through that? Um well I mean like financially it's not really paid off that much, right? <laughs> so I don't think like that's a, a good uh starting point. I don't know, man. I just do this to make people smile, make people have fun, like, you know, get lost in like a world and forget about the problems. And it's like, you know, like, you know, enjoy themselves, right. To create Mm -hmm. positivity in the world instead of like all the bullshit you see today, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I can make someone just fucking like 
you know, relax and just forget about some kind of things like bugging them or, or like, you know, just, just chill and like be in this cool world and like, or have fun with their friends, like in covert and like bring, you know, have this cool, like social experience with someone else. It's like very different. You would never get to like be in this role. Like to me, that makes it all worth it. So like, you know, even like the first VRLA, we went there, like no one even know, you know, anything about us. And like, um, and, uh, you know, by the end of the day, we had like a huge line, like three hour line and only had like one computer, <laughs> so everyone wanted to like see it. Cause everyone thought the demo was so cool. And like the word of mouth kind of spread. And so I think that was like, you know, a cool moment kind of like validated where like the track, you know, I was going on for the demo at least was like, you know, at a good spot. And, um, yeah, so I don't know, like for me, like, you know, I'm not really in it to make money. I'm really, you know, in it to make people happy and, and, you know, be able to like, build games that I want to play and games that I want to like, you know, share with others. Right. And for me, like, that's really the, the, the goal. And then like, obviously if I can make great product, then like, you know, I think the money will come. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, that, you know, obviously be like the second goal, but you know, if you kind of like think about the money first, then you're going to like, you know, kind of mess yourself up. Cause you know, you're going to be making decisions that are going to be for based upon money rather than what's the best I can do for the product. Mm-hmm. and for me the product is always the most important thing like the product really is the player mm-hmm. and so and like if i care about the player and i care about you know getting them to be happy and making the best experience for them then you know th- they'll be happy and tell them but their friends like oh you got to play this game like this game is awesome and da 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 and that will lead to more sales and you know hopefully allow me to build another product man but yeah i mean i, I but i'm not a rich dude so that might be the worst <laughs> advice ever <laughs> <laughs> No, I I think it's honest and that's where it starts, right? Is like you said, it's more important for you that you're making things that people enjoy and you feel like if you can concentrate on that, then money will come. And that's, I would rather somebody be in business for that reason than the opposite, which Mm -hmm. is I want to make money off of this thing and, you know, kind of whore themselves out to what is popular or what is financially lucrative at that time, completely losing their identity or their integrity. Uh, maybe not all their integrity, but you you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like when you're yeah, just like, yeah. chasing the buck. Yeah, it's like, oh, like, we're going to go chase Overwatch or we're going to go exactly. chase, uh, you know, League or whatever. It's like, good luck, you know. <laughs> like, those, those guys are like already nailed the market and it's going to be super hard. It's like being in the stands of the Olympics and they're doing like, you know, a four by four. And then you're like, I think I can beat them, but they've already started running and they're like the best. Yeah. <laughs> and here yeah. you come. Like two laps behind thinking that you're gonna yeah. win gold right like maybe if you have the capital you know like maybe if you compare like PUBG and fortnite or something like yeah, that right <laughs> then you could like you know beat them but yeah, even yeah. then that's like you got to be like epic or you got to be huge exactly mm-hmm. fast follows always make me laugh i'm like man they've got such a head start already it's yeah probably bad business but anyway that's just me no, I agree. I, I think the common theme a lot of the times where um, where like a lot of startups or indie development, they're chasing a, a certain technology or something without finding their own voice or identity, often finding themselves burned out really quickly because they don't have that individuality or or or, uh, or something to say, basically. Right. They lose it. Quick. Right. Or like. If, if you're, you know, if you're not passionate about it and you, someone tells you no for like the 10th time, are you going to keep doing it? Cause you want money? Yeah. No, you're, you're going to give up. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like if someone just sh- keeps shitting on you over and over 
and like, you know, life beats you up, you're not going to keep doing it. You have to do it because you love it. Mm -hmm. If you don't love it, then like, you know, just go do something else and find out what you love. You know, a lot of like, you know, startup dudes say that, but that's the damn truth, you know? It really is. And since you bring that up, can we touch on that for a moment? Because you did earlier say that, like, you know, you're kind of throwing it out there, but like a thousand people told you no. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, even in jest, but I think like it, the lesson is there and it stands true. So maybe you can go back into that mindset and try to pull out a nugget of wisdom that will help people who have to gear up for that fight. Maybe they have an idea or they have something that they want to do, but they're like afraid of exactly what you just said is I have to go talk to a thousand and one people. Right. Like, I know people are going to tell me, no, I know people are probably not going to like my idea, but that fear is keeping them from trying to achieve a dream or like actually get started. So I don't know. Do you have any like encouragement or words of wisdom as somebody who had to beat the pavement and not let everybody tell them no, like continuing until you found that one person who was like, I believe in the idea. Here you go. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, first off, like, fuck fear. Right. Like, like, who cares? Who cares like what someone thinks about you or like, what someone like says no to you? Like, I mean, who are they like? Right. So mm-hmm. if you believe in something and you believe that you can do it and like you have like, I mean, you really have to be like honest with yourself, though, too. Right. Do you mm-hmm. have like the resources? Do you have the capital? Do you have the wherewithal? Do you like, you know, have all these other things that can like tie you down that like, you know, really stop most people from trying, you know, mm-hmm. but if you don't like try, you know, like if you don't go out there and like, have a plan that makes some, you know, sense and, and really believe in it. And then like, you know, you're not going to have fear. You're just going to like have like your strategy. Right. And so if you go in like with a no plan and you like, Oh yeah, I just really want to, you know, you know, be my own boss and I want to do this and that. And like, mm-hmm. you're not coming at it from the right like mindset. Right. Mm-hmm. You want to like, you know, have you know a bit of a plan behind it and like really, you know, kind of like think strategically, okay, like how can I make it? Like, what am I going to do if this doesn't work? Or how can I like keep going for another three months to give me another shot till the GDC comes up or E3 comes up, right? Or mm-hmm. the next big conference and all the like pitchathons happen. And so like you gotta like think in that kind of like mindset and kind of know some of the the timings of the seasons and the rules of the game and and go out there and really meet the people that are making these decisions. And you know, if you're hanging out and like, you know, you just like, you know in like different places or, or not talking to the right people, then you're probably not going to, you know, try to get there or you're not, it's going to be really hard to get there. And um, so I think surrounding yourself with like, you know, positive people that believe in you that are also trying to do, you know, big things and, and trying to do their own things and, and learning off each other, I think is also, uh, you know, really important and getting like that kind of support network and that group of people um, in like, you know, reading and learning and, and, and not just saying like, Oh, it didn't work out for me. And, and that's it. And then <laughs> going off and doing something else, you know, like, you know, you gotta just be like, why didn't it work? Or, or yeah. can I think about it. And then like really like self you know, critical and analyze and then, you know, understand this and that, you know, I don't know how many times I've changed my pitch deck, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just kept changing it till it worked. <laughs> and then and we're like, you know, I got it to a point where everyone's like, okay, this is great. You know, you, you can go for it. And so I think like finding mentors, I think is like really important finding other people that have done it before. Um, and, and, you know, finding people that have failed. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like, but it's fine to fail. Right. It's, it's okay. Like if it doesn't work out, it's all right. Like, you know, you can, you can, you know, keep going, you can make more money later on, but yeah. you know, I think it's really important that you just try if you really believe in something, right. Yeah. And, and do it for the right reasons. And then like, and if you have passion and you, and you have all those kind of like other check boxes ticked, then like, 
you know, I, you know, I think anyone can really do whatever they want if they just keep going at it. Mm-hmm. And you, you hit on something, right? Like even in failure, there's an opportunity to learn and grow. And I think that that's the one thing that I do like to try to tell people who are afraid of taking a step or like making any sort of change in their life is like, even if you fail, the only way it was a waste of time is if you got absolutely nothing out of it. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, I have, I have learned so much, right. So much more than I ever would have like, you know, staying at a, at like, you know, the like giant corporations that are, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously secure and taught me a lot and, you know, will forever love them for that. But, you know, from like this kind of like, mentality of, of like the entrepreneur right and then like how do you build and like you know create companies and how do you just keep trying to push and push um to me that's like something that you're you're never going to learn even like you know at harvard business school or whatever you know you have to like kind of go out there and like really you know feel it and, and bleed it right and then and there like when you get for you know first your first punch of like no <laughs> you know it hurts right you're like boom like <laughs> You know, I was a pretty successful, you know, like the first game, luckily, was God of War 1, right? Game yeah, of the no. year, right? Uh, every game I worked on was like 90, 90 rated yeah. plus. Oh, and Jesus. Like, for me to hear that was just like, what the hell? Like, I, I know it's good, but yeah. like, what's going on? But then you look, like, realize, like, okay, well, their business model, like, when, like in the beginning, like, what the hell's a business model, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's their strategy, right? Yeah. And you learn, like, okay, well, obviously, they're not, like, going to be taking that much risk in, like, VR or like mm-hmm. they already have a, another indie game in their portfolio that's just like this or a little similar or, you know, the guy just didn't like it. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for whatever reason. And so, you know, all those kind of things that just kind of like like occur, like along this road of like getting started are just like points of failure. But they're all like the 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 library of knowledge that you need to learn in order to like succeed. And I think if you like find that like stuff you know, super early, maybe, you're, you know, you're amazing. Like people like Steve jobs or I don't know, whoever is like super lucky in the beginning, but even them, like if you dig into their stories, they failed a lot. And like, you know, even, you know, him, he like lost his company, Apple and came back. Right. Yeah. So that's like a failure. Um, but for, for, you know, everyone to just like, I think, just think about how can they learn and like, like, yeah, exactly what you said. Like learning is knowledge and learn knowledge is value. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, as long as you kind of keep that mindset, then it doesn't matter if you're scared or fearful or you failed. It's like, you know, you did your best and you, and you tried. And, and if you, you're going to do it again, you can like, you know, go get a job again, make some money again, then try again. You know, you could, you're going to probably have a lot better, uh, you know, percentage chance of, of making it. Mm. Well, speaking of like coming into things with fear and everything, my only frame of reference to pitching something is on uh, is Shark Tank, which is overly dramatized. Mm-hmm. So, can you kind of give us an idea? Is it usually on a one-on-one type of pitch, or like do you guys meet informally, like you were mentioning before at at Indicator or service uh, other places like that? Like, can you kind of kind of walk us through the different type of pitches you had to do to get things? Uh, yeah, going? yeah. So, I mean. Like, uh, obviously you can go to like a publisher, go to like an investor's, you know, place of business and, and go and pitch. Um, but you know, to get there, you have to have an end and you have to know somebody. Right. Um, so there's, uh, you know, people like there's like agents out there that, you know, that's their job, right. They find developers, they know publishers, they have relationships with them and they can go and, and, you know, help you get a, like, a, you know, a meeting with them. 
And then there's other places like um, probably like more in like the, you know, traditional startup, you know, tech space, you know, like all these like, you know, tech crunch disrupt conference and what have you, where like everyone's going there and doing like, you know, pitch fests. But really that's kind of like what GDC is in or like E3 is and like all these other major conferences. And even being in the industry for like 10 years, I never even knew this shit was going on. But like mm. in all these hotels where you see people like talking and like with their laptops out, that's exactly what's going on. And, uh, and so like all those like major conferences like DICE, you know, GDC, E3, um, those are like the major, you know, ones that, that, you know, I've, you know, had some success at or, you know, a lot of failures at as well. Um, but, and then, so yeah, you can kind of like do it like that. And then, um, where else? I think those are kind of like the two major ways. Um, yeah, or like maybe being a part of like some kind of accelerator, like you know, incubator kind of thing, and then having like mm-hmm. the investor day and um, and you know, bringing the, the investors there. So like, those are probably the three different ways that I've seen kind of work. Um, but you never know, you know, who you'll meet in life, right? So sometimes you hear crazy stories. Some guy you know, met someone else, and then that relationship turns into an investment later on. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was on the elevator and I looked up, boom, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, that's why you got the elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, well, let me ask you this then, as far as game publishing goes, I've always been, I hate to say against publishing, but I think traditional kind of corporate publishing, I understand, but I've always been a fan of the like days when game development was like flip flops and like, I'm putting stuff on shareware. Like it was kind of everything about the process of making and selling games was done in house. And I, I felt the sting of like the, the feel of the corporateness, you know what I mean? And a lot of publishers kind of, in my opinion, hurting my industry in some ways, helping it in others, but definitely hurting it in some ways, right? Like, EA no longer being able to do some Star Wars stuff because Disney's mad at how they handled microtransactions being so egregiously terrible with how they designed it. You like stuff like that has always bothered me. So if you yourself now going through your experience in getting funding to getting your games done to like making multiple games now and being successful, is there any part of the publishing aspect of being an indie that you think could use some tune up or could be a little different to be more favorable for indie developers? I mean, I think there's, it's really kind of like who you talk to, right? Like mm-hmm. if you talk to um, the mega super corps, you know, their strategy is to be like, you know, pretty timid with risks and mm-hmm. they want to maximize like every type of profit they can, right? At, at whatever cost, because for them, that's their goal. Yeah. Um, and if someone gets to make a great game along the way, um, then, you know, they, they can. Um, and then there's other types of publishers like, you know, like even Sony, like, you know, Sony made like Ico and like all these like, you know, like games like Journey and they gave money to like all these like, you know, kind of like no name people to make, you know, these, you know, beautiful mm-hmm. games. Right. And uh, just because they also kind of like believed in, in the in the in the art and like the, the product. Right. Mm-hmm. And for me, like that's the one type of strategy. But then they also counterbalance it with other games like, you know, God of War and Uncharted. But even then, they never like messed with us. You know, they always kind of like allowed us to have our, our creative freedom. Um, and then there are other publishers that have, you know, pretty genuine, generous terms and um, but might not give you the, the, the financial backing to go make, you know, a hundred million dollar game. But again, you're not going to do that in your first game. Right. Yeah. Um, it's going to take a while to get there. So I think like 
you know, people could say like, oh, yeah, you know, these people make these kind of decisions like that. And obviously some are just like stupid. Right. <laughs> You're like, why would you ever do that? Right. Yeah. But, you know, like when you become a publicly traded company and you got like your investors, your, like stockholders, yeah. it's a whole different ballgame that I still don't even like truly understand. Right. And yeah. there's probably all these pressures on them that they're like, oh, my God, we got to get the numbers up. And, you know, this game that we thought was going to do well, like didn't do so well. and better, 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 So how can we get the the market, you know, cap back up and make the investors happy. And so then they tell like the developer, okay, you got to do this and suck. Right. Yeah. But like, from their point of view, it's like they have to do that. Right. Cause their ass is on the line. So it's just like, you know, you gotta, I think, think always about like everyone's perspective. Right. And like, why are they making these decisions? Not because they're just like jerks is because they have to, and they're not really thinking about the repercussions. And if you don't have like a good sense of like the industry and like the consumer, then like, you know, that will come out and bite you in the ass for sure. Yeah. And I guess that's what bothers me is like, I, I will cut e- e- big publishers slack, especially the ones that are publicly traded, which is like, they're on this never ending quest to chase a bigger bottom line mm-hmm. somehow, yeah. some way, or people won't get bonuses and shareholders are going to want heads to roll and things like that. But I guess I'll, I'll kind of start wrapping it up on this is like, I definitely feel like if you're going to be a publicly traded company, you should give a shit that, companies need to be run a certain way, especially if you're dealing with intangibles like creative entertainment medias. You know what I mean? Like you kind of got to let some people figure their shit out, come up with something good, trust that they're going to be professional, do their job, and then, you know, go out and make the money. So that is my last little note to any big time publishers out there. Like if you're publicly traded, try to convince your shareholders that it's okay to let you guys just do it the way that got you publicly traded in the first place before they showed up and started demanding microtransactions in every game. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. 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 A lot of, uh, you know, investors don't know that cause they're not gamers. They're like just yeah. looking at the stock chart. Right. Exactly. Like, oh, this thing's going up. Right. Wow. I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> Look at that. Red Dead Redemption made $750 million in the first what month. Let's make another Red Dead Redemption next year. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, we can do it. Right. Yeah. Only what eight years? Yeah. Oh my God. All right. The Assassin's Creed franchise. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I just took a glance at my stopwatch, and it is let me or my stopwatch, my computer timer, and it lets me know that we've been podcasting for over an hour. So, Brandon and I have a special request for you. Brandon and I are going to go refill our coffee mugs. You know, talk crap about what happened at work today, and we're going to let you have complete control over the sound booth. We're hoping that you'll talk directly to our audience to shout out, promote, or raise awareness for anything that you think needs a little more attention, something you want to advertise, or something you just want to tell our audience about. So without further ado, sir, the floor is yours. All right. Uh, well, yeah, thank you for having me here on the, the podcast. I appreciate it. Um, as I need to probably do as a an Indian uh, business owner. We just launched a game today called Covert. It's a, a two-player couch co-op uh, VR experience where one player plays as a thief and they're in VR and the other player plays as a hacker and they're like on a uh, tablet or mobile device. Oh my and, God. Uh, That's bomb. Yeah. You already sold me, man. You can get it today. The, the covertgame.com. Um, and uh, it's nine ninety nine. Comes out on uh, it's out on the Oculus Go or Gear VR. And yeah, it's it's uh, tons of fun. Six hours of content plus, um, and really kind of like a very unique and interesting game. Uh, probably the hardest game I ever designed <laughs> and had to figure out. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, 
you know, one of the things I, I work on, what else? Um, obviously, Eclipse also just came out on um, the Oculus Go and it was previously on Daydream, came out on the Xiaomi uh, VR headset. And we're looking at, to bring it to other uh, VR platforms as well. So if you guys are looking for a, a you know, great game, check that one out as well. Um, I also founded the Game Dev Drink Up, which is a uh, local mixer. We are thinking like nine or ten cities now across the world, from like Tokyo to New York, wow. and we meet every second Thursday of the month to uh, you know really just kind of network and see old friends and have some beers and and talk shop. So if you guys are looking for more of an intimate type of meetup um, where you still get really great people in 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 uh, can get a good sense of the community. You know, we're open to everybody, uh, indie, uh, to AAA, to, you know, even students come. Just be cool is the only thing that we ask. Don't be annoying or and yeah. don't be like a, you know, crazy recruiter trying to bother everybody. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so those are the other kind of like my little pet projects I, I work on. Um, and I got other things in the works, but still trying to get more time. <laughs> time is my enemy. That sounds like your next game. Time is my enemy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good title. Yeah, it is. Like I, I could come. Up, that should be a game jam challenge. Time is my enemy. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, I like the name of that title, and I hope to see it exist sometime. All right, Larry Charles, I'm saying goodnight, but without a rhyme. I'll see you guys next week. All right, later. So thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope that you're a subscriber, but if you aren't, please feel free to follow us on any of the major podcast platforms, especially iTunes or Spotify. You can find show notes and more resources available to help you become a successful game developer. Just go on over to our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. If you're interested in keeping the conversation going, then definitely come check us out in Discord where we chat in real time for After Show Tuesdays to discuss episodes and Feedback Fridays where we share screenshots on the projects that we're currently working on. If you go over to Patreon.com, you can support our podcast financially. And if you do so, you get access to Life Unchained, our on-the-pulse, unfiltered game dev gossip content that we make exclusively for our Patreon supporters. And as usual, you can keep in touch and follow our happenings on Facebook and Twitter. That's Game Dev Unchained, the podcast.